Welcome back to another episode of Northeastern Next. On today's episode, we have Professor Dave Hagen, an associate teaching professor here at Northeastern. We'll discuss why he decided to teach at Northeastern, the next phase of his research, and the best ways to approach critical thinking. Let's get into it. Hi, Dave. Welcome to the Northeastern Next podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I appreciate it a lot. How are you this morning? Yeah, of course. So do you mind giving us a little bit of background on your Northeastern experience? Certainly. I I graduated from what was the then College of Criminal Justice with a Bachelor of Science degree. An exciting and different time to be at Northeastern. The College of Criminal Justice was really a destination school with incredible faculty, some of whom are still there. Northeastern was, was a great experience. It supported me. It expected hard work. But it provided me the on-ramp to law school, which led to my first career with the government. Oh, wow. Okay, great. So what I really would love to focus on is I know you're currently a professor in the College of Professional Studies, CPS. And just out of curiosity, I was wondering what exactly made you want to teach at Northeastern after getting your undergraduate degree there? Was there something from your original Northeastern experience that drew you to being a professor? It was the perfect opportunity to come home. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when I was when I was leaving government service, I was looking for really an organization that that had commitment to others and a drive for professionalism. And I found that by coming back to my school. That's awesome. Yeah. And that is something that I think Northeastern really strives to exemplify through academics, through their community, honestly. And I think that, you know, we'll discuss this further, but I think that you're a great example of this. But one thing that I would love to talk about is your research. I think your research is very fascinating. It's something that I'm personally interested in, especially from our preliminary phone call. So your research revolves around critical thinking, correct? Correct. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you're currently researching? Sure. Well, I mean, the, the, the bigger problem of the practice is really does this prior learning affect objectivity? I, mm-hmm. I teach in a program uh, in national security and intelligence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what we look to do is to educate uh, what, are, what are nascent analysts uh, across the different sectors, public, private, industry, government, things like that. And, you know, a, a key component of that is how do you solve or how do you analyze what are complex issues? So that I'm researching what is the skill sets that our graduate students need to be successful post-graduation. Our our current curriculum is very strong uh, and advances a whole government approach to solving problems, meaning that the skill set applicability, as I mentioned to you, looks just not at the government, but looks at public sector, private sector, looks Mm -hmm. at state, federal, and local, looks at law enforcement, looks at emergency management, looks at homeland security, and of course, national security as well. So it's, it's really broad. But how do you develop a skill set through, pro, through really developing program learning objectives? And, mm. and the larger goal is to match the demand signal coming from government and industry, which is critical thought with the skill set that we provide our students. And I've, I've had a lot of support in this effort and in the research of professors Jack McDevitt and John Terponis, whom I work with every day. And then from the folks on the EDD side of the house, uh, and their award-winning faculty in particular, uh, Dr. Joe McNabb. There's a lot that we could take from there. But from our preliminary phone call, I do remember you mentioning that phase one of your research went very well, especially when comparing the quantitative versus the qualitative studies. Do you mind elaborating a little bit more on that? Sure. So I looked at what were the skill sets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wanted to reach out to industry. Uh, and what I did is I used mixed methodology. So I had structured interviews with 10 practitioners 
Okay. Uh, and then from there, right, we transcribed their uh, their interviews, and then I coded their comments. Uh, right. And at the at the end of the coding process, what I found is that the, the practitioners considered critical thinking to be the number one skill set. Uh, and I went out and I did, a, a, I thought, a pretty significant quantitative form of research as well, too. And I used Qualtrics. And I mm -hmm. sent that out to an international audience. And I had about 100 responses. Uh, and I'm told that 100 responses in a non-incentivized survey is a, is a good amount. And I used the five-point Likert scale, you know, strongly disagree to strongly agree. And 91% of the quantitative of the Qualtrics international audience agreed that critical thinking was their strongly, the most strongly, uh, I guess the, the term would be they most strongly agreed that critical thinking was a desired skill. Mm -hmm. A lot of people will agree with that right on its face. Few will disagree that you don't want critical thinking, but but the challenge goes into how do you how do you structure what is an applied definition to that one that you can actually use, mm -hmm. uh, and how do you do so in a deliberate way, and then how do you plan to implement that across a curriculum? Because you you don't want to teach we're going to teach one course in critical thinking, and then we're going to give that to you, and that's the aha moment that you go forward with. You really need to to incubate and inculcate those processes that develop critical thought across all of our classes. That's incredibly interesting. Something that, as you were speaking, that kind of occurred to me that you know I'd love to hear a little bit more about is, for context myself, and I'm sure for context of the listeners, when you are doing this research, I'm sure that when people hear the word critical thinking, or the phrase critical thinking, rather, I'm sure a couple of different ideas pop in their head. But just from your perspective, when you're doing this research, how are you defining critical thinking? That's a, that's a great question. And, and I think that there's not one specific answer mm -hmm. uh, that's accepted industry-wide. I look at it as, as really an, an open-minded approach to look at a problem set and to willingly consider positions and opinions and evidence that may contradict what your initial thesis or hypothesis might be. Okay. Well, one of the biggest concerns you have in analysis is confirmation bias. Uh, I come in with a preconceived idea, and now I look for evidence to support that. And when you do that, you exclude evidence that's not within the margins. And that's why uh, there's a number of structured analytical techniques that are out there. One of them is analysis of competing hypothesis. But it's, it's a difficult definition to come up with, but you have to come in with a willingness. There's two ways to look at it. One is intuitive. One is a willingness to consider what is uh, opposing evidence, and the other one is deliberative. Should we establish procedures in which it really requires you to act in a way that leads you to objectivity? Okay, so I guess my next question about critical thinking is, and this is a little bit of a pivot, when somebody is critically thinking, obviously everybody has the ability to some extent to critically think. If we're looking to implement it, you know, like you mentioned, the public and the private sector, how much, I don't know if the word is, or if the phrase is prior knowledge, education, or just how well-rounded a person should be that it would affect their critical thinking. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does. You, you're, you're really asking, what's the foundation that we can provide people and when do we do that mm -hmm. that supports critical thinking but there's you raised an interesting point tom there's there's critical thinking for intelligence analysts or for analysts of any type there's critical thinking for trial lawyers there's critical thinking for uh physicians mm -hmm. there, there's different categories that we look at critical thought not all of which is the same but there's also critical thinking for you and me in our everyday lives. And, and you might want to characterize that as rational thought, okay. uh, by the way. But there's a difference between those two. Mm. Rational thinking is 
that that light's about ready to turn yellow. Is it beneficial for me to stop or to go through it based upon where I am? That's that's a really quick example of rational thought. Where where critical thinking is uh, on a day to day basis. You know, do I make major purchases? Do I invest in in, uh, in graduate education? How do I allocate my time? Because there's pros and cons to that. And now move that into a profession where we're mm. looking at highly complex issues that have a multiplicity of moving variables, some of which that we really can't control. If you look at some of the, the issues that go on internationally, typically the first 15 minutes of, of the evening news, uh, if you're trying to analyze what is an international issue and you're an intelligence analyst, think of the variables that you're looking at uh, and then think of the levels of which that analysis has to occur, strategic, operational, and then lines of effort. It, mm -hmm. It's complex, it's ambiguous, constantly changing uh it's vague and then you have a, a variety of different products that which you're going to produce for policymakers because at the end of the day what intelligence does, is designed to do the intelligence community exists in my opinion to reduce uncertainty for decision makers rarely do you ever get to a finite answer but mm -hmm. you get to reducing the uncertainty Oh, okay. That's interesting because like, as you were, as you were speaking, you know, you raise a great point. We are making decisions every single day of our life, but it almost sounds like that, not necessarily the rational thinking that you were speaking of, but just like the day-to-day -day critical thinking that we do, it's being able to take that and apply it to the more complex sectors of life. Well, not everyone would do that. Mm -hmm. okay. There's, there's, and, and we're not educating to that. Okay. Uh, some of that is developed through through life experience because we're mm. all we're all critical thinkers in, in what it is we do in, in some way or another. When you weigh pros and cons and cost benefit or risk reward, whether you're doing that intuitively or whether you're doing that deliberately, that's critical thought in everyday life. Now move that up uh, to a varsity level, to a professional level mm -hmm. where uh, I mean, if you you know think a good example of, of critical thinking, I, I think is is trial lawyers. Uh, I am, I, you know, I'm a lawyer by education, so I, I think I, I bring with that the the deliberative skill set that law school provides you, uh, in in really compelling you to look at another another side and and the complete arguments that they make. And I tell my students, if you really want to develop critical thinking skills in a particular class, read opposing opinions, read mm -hmm. opinions that you disagree, read both sides of a case, go in there and do a deep dive and understand the arguments of the other side. But yet that's just one component of, of critical thought. And critical thinking is just one component of, of a larger skill set that we're trying to provide our students. That actually, that clears a lot up for me. That makes a lot of sense. Kind of to your point where you were just mentioning at the end of uh, that statement was education and critical thinking really seem to go hand in hand. I know that sounds obvious, but I, I figured I'd state it anyway. <laughs> um, so in your opinion, what do you think is the best way to integrate critical thinking into the classroom? And do you have any examples of how you do it in your classroom? So it, and your, your question is the best way to integrate critical thinking in, into the classroom. And that's really the next phase of my research. A question is whether critical thinking is deductive or inductive. Is it a hard skill set, the elements of which can be taught and evaluated on uh, more explicit knowledge? Or is it a soft skill set, perhaps intuitive? Can we use what are structured analytical techniques, processes I mentioned before, which procedurally seek to increase opportunities for consideration alternatives? We really compel an analyst to look at alternatives and to see the evidence that is least conflicting. Mm -hmm. uh, my goal is to develop part of the curriculum that has education and training throughout, and it's identified, and to some measure to see our progress. As I mentioned to you, law school and medical schools do this as well. I 
my personal experience in law school uh, speaks to that. And my research in other disciplines speaks, especially medicine, speaks to that as well, too. Uh, but a growing challenge is, is really the role and integration of artificial mm -hmm. intelligence and machine learning into both the analysis, the analytical process, uh, and then identifying how would AI impact critical thought? Does it enhance it? Does it simplify it? Is it a panacea? Is it something that we need to engage in, and be concerned about? The intelligence community has looked hard at artificial intelligence uh, and uses it considerably, but it doesn't take the place of critical thought. It augments an analyst's role. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and lastly, as I mentioned, I, I think that uh, there's a larger cross-discipline applicability Certainly my, my colleagues at Northeastern want their students engaged at critical thought and they want it at a professional level. And I, but I'm looking right now at the program that I teach in specifically. Yeah, kind of to just hone in a little bit on your teaching. I was reading your page on the CPS website and bear with me because I have been saying this all morning, trying not to trip on my words. I see that you are a teaching inquiry fellow for Northeastern Center for Advancing Teaching and Learning Through Research. Do you mind telling us a little bit about that? So Catler is probably one of the, my, my keys to success. My keys to success are my colleagues uh, and the support that I get from them, my students, and, and how they drive me to be better every day, mm -hmm. and Catler. Uh, and, and I think they may be equal, equal components there. They have an engaged faculty, timely topics, and supportive. So I, I came to Northeastern. Uh, I was a, a former practitioner uh, in the community, I, and I believe that I understood the, the practice of intelligence analysis, but I was not an educator. So I went to them, and I basically said, help me learn to teach uh, at the collegiate level and at the graduate level. And I spent 18 months with an incredible cohort and wonderful faculty, Drs. Michael Sweet, Gail Matthews, Dean Natale, and Lori Poptop. Uh, they were just fantastic people uh, who helped me really understand the science of teaching and learning. And then how do I move that? My, the, the genesis for my research came from working with them, that additional identification of the problem of practice, whether or not prior learning has an effect upon objectivity, was really a, a product of their mentoring. Uh, and then I transitioned with the same cohort group uh, as a faculty scholar So I, uh, for a year. So I spent two and a half years uh, with Catler, and obviously not, not in a full-time capacity, but in, in a supportive and mentorship role where they really challenged me to look at this from a research perspective. And, and mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons why uh, I am where I am. So Kettler is a hidden jewel for people that are out there. Uh, if you're not using it, I, I would. Well, that's great to know because I know that there is definitely a portion who definitely are undergraduate students, graduate students, just also who may not have gone here from their undergraduate years, just trying to sort of sit their way through the university and understand everything that it has to offer. So thank you so much for explaining what Catler was, because I think there are absolutely some people who listen to this podcast that will be able to take some real advantage of it. So I really appreciate that. And congratulations again on the next phase of research. That sounds exciting. And since this is Northeastern next, I have to ask you, Dave, I know we talked about your research, but what is next? Uh, that, that's a great question. And it's probably a question that it's reasonable to ask just about anybody. What, what's the next What's the next step? What's your next action required to be a, to be a better educator? Uh, I, and one of the things that, that, there's many things I enjoy about Northeastern, and, and one of which is uh, it's really a learning laboratory. Uh, if you look around this campus, there's a never-ending opportunity to grow and develop as a person and as an educator. And, and you do so to provide the students with the best return on their investment. Mm -hmm. What's next is to drive me to the next level of professional education. And this research is, I think, a way to provide what's a legacy skill set to our students. The, the knowledge that you learn, undergraduate and graduate, knowledge is perishable. 
The things that we talk about today become history later on. And Northeastern being an experientially based organization wants to know what's going on today. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and to President Aoun's comments to us a while ago, if you're not teaching something in class today that can be used in a classroom or used in a work facility, work a workplace tomorrow, you're not doing your job. So how do I fuse that industry demand with what I'm teaching students today? And I think developing skill sets that provide a, a legacy skill to students, not just the knowledge, because the knowledge is perishable. But how do I give you a skill set? And, and that was my experience in law school, by the way. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a skill set of how do you think, not what you think, but how do you think that makes you a more a more critical thinker and, in this case, a better intel person? Thanks. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And I think you really hit the nail on the head for what this school has to offer. And really, it's clear to me that you're embodying the spirit of not only Northeastern, but the education that they're looking to provide. And it sounds like that any student would be fortunate to be in one of your classes. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Well, thank you so much again for this, Dave. I really appreciate it. This was an absolute blast of an episode, and it was really, really great hearing about your research. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity to talk. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Northeastern Next. Are you or do you know a Northeastern alum with a great story to tell? If so, email us at alumni at northeastern.edu to be featured on a future episode of the pod. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and I'll see you the week after next.